thank you for joining me. And I've got a great interview for you. It's with Joe Morse. Now you might be wondering, who's Joe Morse? Joe Morse runs a YouTube channel called Shooting Gallery New England. That's right. He is a fellow gun YouTuber. I met him about a year ago and he's just an awesome guy. Now, before we talk to Joe, I'm going to pay the bills. And this episode is brought to you by Brownells. Whenever I'm looking for my gunsmithing tools or gunsmithing parts, my first place is Brownells. Now, if you want to see the content I've created using tools and products from Brownells, go to www.trb.fyi slash Brownells. You can see those tools in action. And if you want to buy some of them, just simply click the links on those articles. Now with the bills paid, Joe, tell me about your love of guns. Hey, Joe, welcome to the podcast. Would you mind telling the audience who Joe Morse is? Well, my name is Joe. I run a YouTube channel called Shooting Gallery NE, and he stands for New England. I'm, uh, I'm from Massachusetts, and uh, got it. I just love guns. It, I found my passion very, very early in my 20s, and I've been fortunate enough through many different means to actually go to work every day and enjoy firearms for a living. And uh, it's the one thing that brings me Zen. Like some people do yoga, some people do, you know, hiking and stuff like that. You throw a Glock 19 in my hand or an AR-15 and that's, that is my Zen, man. Well, it's kind of like me is I, I like to say, you know, people do yoga. I do range time. Yeah. That's just kind of my, that's my happy place is the range. Now you talked about getting into guns in your, you know, in your twenties there, your early twenties. How did you get into guns? I mean, talk to me a little bit about that journey. So I got into guns. I grew up. So I, like I said, I live in Massachusetts. I grew up very differently. My dad wasn't into guns. He was a he was very into and you know we're a fish i was a fisherman you know he wasn't he wasn't a hunter he didn't really have guns he wasn't really comfortable with them and my mom was highly against it uh so like i did like airsoft and stuff like that and paintball but it was you know where i live gun ownership obviously is kind of like not frowned upon but it's it's a different subculture so growing up i never really had guns like we had bb guns and stuff like that and but i never really had any experience experience so i was bullied profusely growing up um i i i i i had a tough upbringing in school i had to switch schools a couple times and stuff like that and i always was just i don't know people just saw me and i i went through some stuff man and uh i you know, never wanted to, i never wanted to be a victim and yeah. You know, I laugh. I laugh about the bully thing, and it's not. I'm. La I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because I, I had the same thing uh, when yeah. I grew up. I was picked on, um, and, and, and it's so funny is that all the kids in my class, I could care less about them, and they could care less about me. So you know, the feeling was kind of equal. But yeah, I know what you mean. And then you know, you get into that bully mentality, you learn you don't want to be a victim. Yeah. So growing up, I just, you know, I, I tried doing like some uh, jujitsu and kickboxing and stuff like that to kind of get my confidence up just because it was it was tough going through school. And uh, yeah, I was always a bigger kid. And I'm just I'm one of those people who are like, leave me alone. Like I do my thing. Like I'm not trying to bother people. So like like. But at the same time. I have that protection mentality in me. I'm always, I want to be a protector, whether it's my wife, my family, uh, my immediate friends. You know, if I trust you enough to where, like, we're on that level, I will die for you because that that's how I am with people. I'm, I'm, a, very, I'm a very loyal person to my friends and my family. So I just, I never really shot guns. And then I started, you know, when me and my wife got together, um, her sister was dating a guy who was into guns and he asked me like, Hey, do you want to come shoot? And first time I ever shot a gun in my entire life. And he handed me a Ruger P three forty five, which mm. I wouldn't recommend people shooting for your first gun. But uh, we went out to a sand pit where we were, we had to walk. And I'm like, all right. And 
has all these guns. I've never really handled them. I handled like a pistol that my cousin had and I never shot it, but I was like, oh, this is cool. Like I was in a Call of Duty and stuff like that. And I loved airsoft and I, I wanted to eventually, you know, at one point I wanted to be in the military. So it was like, I don't know. It was like this weird thing that first shot and I handled the recoil very well. And I'm like, wow, this is like cool. And, you know, we had like a piece of plywood and targets and this is cool. So then he gave me a single shot 20 gauge to shoot. I'm like, all right, yeah, that's cool. Then we had a Remington 1100, which I ended up buying from the guy later on in life. And I'm like, oh, this is fun. Then the next outing we went on, he had a 20 uh, Marlin Model 60. Best time of my life. Yeah. I was I was yeah. literally I was picking off caps of soda bottles without even hitting the soda. It, it was so fun that it and it was the most relaxed I've been. You know, I you know I suffer from anxiety and depression and stuff like that. When I was behind whenever I'm behind a gun, I go into a different world. And it it yeah, it's the best way for me to just relax. And I'm like, wow, I really like it. So I started going in, you know, really getting into it. I took my basic hunter safety course because I was going to try and do some like predator hunting and deer hunting and stuff like that around here. Uh, we don't have rifle seasons, but with coyote and predators, you can do 22 night and stuff like that. So I got really into rimfire when I got my hunter safety course, got my uh, in Massachusetts. You when you're 18, you can get an FID card, which is the firearms identification card, which allows you to get like bolt action rifles and pump shotguns, stuff like that. And then when you're 21, you're able to get your concealed weapons permit, which it's considered a class A uh, high capacity, non-restrictive license to carry. So you can kind of have pistols, semi-automatics. You know, we do have 10 round mag capacity bands and assault weapons bands, but you're able to have more fun stuff. So got my concealed weapons permit and it was just off to the races. Did you know, I, I just engulfed myself in it. Like I took a firearms instructing class, the NRA. Uh, I got certified with Massachusetts State Police for firearms instruct safety uh, instructing. I just did so much stuff, and then, you know, I I was a I was a blue collar guy. I was a painter for years, and I was like, I don't want to paint for the rest of my life. This is the most boring thing in the world. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't go to like watching paint dry. Yeah, yeah, and dealing with builders, just building construction. Yeah. It, it wasn't for me. I'm. I'm one of those people where like, I could work for somebody, but at the same time, like, just give me something to do and just like, let me do my thing. Like, I don't need people standing over me. Um, that's why I like gunsmithing. Cause I was like, I'm in, I'm in the shop. No one really bothers me for the most part, unless they have a question. So like, you know, I found Sonori, I got into YouTube and stuff like that. I started watching tons of videos. I really, you know, started getting really into like, you know, the gun collective, IROC veteran, all the big channels out there just learning as much knowledge as I can and, you know, starting to, you know, shoot a lot different more guns and, you know, get into guns, buying more guns and stuff like that. And I found Sonoran Desert Institute and it just, I decided, Hey, now I'm, I think I was probably, okay. I was 24, maybe 25. I, I got married. I was still in college when I got married. So, yeah, I was probably like 25 years old. So you made that decision not long after your first experience with an actual gun. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, my, even my, like now my mother, like she's, you know, she's into shooting. She, you know, she's got a 38, she has for home protection. She's understanding gun ownership. So it was a big like shift. You know, I got into guns essentially around the time Sandy Hook happened. And uh, when everyone was like afraid they were going to ban everything out of the sun and yeah. let them handle them, thankfully. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember Sandy Hook because when I was in FFL, um, Sandy Hook was was happening. Um, and I remember the, the joke between FFLs was in in uh, on January 1st, if you had any gun left on your shelf, that was literally the gun nobody wanted. <laughs> uh, because, because guns were just selling. I mean, it doesn't matter what it was, they were selling. And... Uh, yeah, on January 1st, whatever gun you had on your shelf, you'd never order again because you found the gun that literally nobody wanted. And I'm guessing it was a Taurus PT-111. Uh, yeah. Well, there, there's other things like... Uh, <laughs> like like guns we really don't like. Uh, like 
uh, Jimenez. <laughs> hey, whoa, whoa. Jimenez is... <laughs> They, those things have a special place in firearms history and collecting, okay? You know what's funny, though? I do think they would sell before that Taurus. <laughs> yeah. And I um, trashed Taurus for years, and now I'm, I've, I've changed my tune a little bit because I got the G3C Toro, and I, I'm i liking that gun. It, it, it's a pretty sweet gun. You know, I, I knew a couple of people that had Tauruses. Uh, I have a Taurus. My wife has a Taurus. Um the thing I can say about Taurus is they stand behind their warranty. Oh, yeah. They're <laughs> awesome. They're awesome. It might not be the best gun in the world, but if you need warranty work, they will, they'll do it. I mean, we have these little, um, what are they, the, the 738s. So they're little, they, you know, they were mm. competing against the, um, the Keltec and the, um, the Ruger for, yeah. the, for the, the micro compact. And, uh, we decided on these things because you could actually grab them. Um, cause that's the problem with the that other design was is they didn't really feel good in your hand and you know i got these big paws um <laughs> and uh and they also had last shot hold open which is something that uh the keltec and the uh i i should say really the the keltec because ruger just licensed the keltec design um they didn't have that at the time uh in their gen 2 they did but we got these things and man these things are are they were a pain because they like the head hunt. So as you're shooting, you're ducking your shell coming out of the slide. So, yeah, they had – so the ejectors, the angle and the ejectors were wrong. And um, I remember calling Taurus up, and, man, that had, I had a FedEx box the next day, picked up, sent down to Florida, and a week later I had it back in my hands. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. And, I, I, I always I tell people they're, they're the best – Board to use yeah i didn't pay a dime for it i mean they did everything fix that thing um i don't, I don't have to duck as much <laughs> uh but that's why i got to see what they did i'm like all right if i want to mess with this I'll, I'll, i can mess with it now now that i see what they're doing but yeah they're that's the one thing i really like about tars is they, they kind of they stand behind their warranties oh yeah definitely not phenomenal customer service like i always it, the rare occasion i have to talk to them at work um you know for something small i had one where the barrel was bulged and like it, it, okay that's gonna happen phenomenal like the customer service people over there on the phones like are so polite they're not like hi yep. how you doing they're like hey what's going on oh i'm so sorry like they're, they are just phenomenal well it's funny is because when i called in for that warranty uh, i'm talking to this girl and and she, it's quiet because, you know, she's typing away on stuff and then she's super nice. And I finally go, okay, I got to ask, is that construction noise or gunshots I'm hearing? <laughs> and she goes, no, the range is on the other side of the wall here. So that's all, she goes, that's all the uh, the testing going on on the other side of the wall. I'm like, okay, I, I was thinking it was gunshots, but I just didn't want to come out and just assume it was gunshots. She goes, no, they're gunshots. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's cool. So now you've mentioned Gunsmith a couple of times. You know, you went to SDI for school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, did you obviously didn't always, when you were a little kid or you're in high school and sitting there thinking about girls and stuff, you weren't thinking about being Gunsmith, um, which I, I hope you weren't. <laughs> um, I, I had other not, things. Not, I was preoccupied with other things in my mind before. Yeah, I, 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 I I was too, but uh, but I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I'm just saying. Um, so you made the decision to go to SDI and then be a gunsmith. Now, when you and I met, you weren't a gunsmith at that time. You were doing security work at that point. Actually, what, no, I was I was doing car sales. I was doing car sales. Oh, that's right. You were doing car sales. I forgot <laughs> yeah. about that. That's yeah. right. That was okay, a small so blip in my, my <laughs> A little life. before that. Um, so... Tell me, how did you finally decide to make that step into gunsmithing? I mean, you know, it, it obviously you you had you're you're now a, an instructor, but what made you make that extra step and go? You know, I want to take these things apart, and fix them. So I did the instructing, and I was still paying. I think at this point, I was paying with my. I worked for my father, and uh, when I was a kid, I actually wanted to be a cop. And uh, ironically, 
I wanted to be a cop. I tried going Navy out of high school and uh, I was going to do the law enforcement military route. Uh, when you're 425, uh, 6'2", 425 with a bat with a knee injury, they, you're limited. <laughs> yeah, the, the DOD doesn't necessarily want people like that. Yeah, and, and like I, you know, I wanted to serve my country and stuff like that. I'm very patriot. You know, I love my country. I'm very patriotic. So I thought that was like the best thing I could do when they were like, "You're BMI and your neck alone, but that ain't gonna work." And I'm like, sick. So uh, I, I laugh because I had the same thing when I tried joining the military. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're not quite. You're you're not what we're looking for. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I understand they have like their, you know, they have their standards because if you're protecting our nation, you, you again, six, two, three, four, uh, you know, 425, you, that ain't going to be that tactical. You know, I'm going to get winded more than anything else. But, and, and, you know, and I respect that. I, I, and I have so much respect for anybody that's ever served because like, you know, you, you're taking the ultimate sacrifice. So, you know, when I realized, you know, the military wasn't going to work out, I was, you know, I, I did my part. I was originally going to go to college for, uh, criminal justice and become a cop, you know, maybe detective stuff like that. Then I took the civil service test. I failed epically because I suck at taking tests. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. So I was just in limbo. And, you know, the whole gunsmithing thing, it came apart. Like, I really like guns. And, and like, I, you know, I was always into Legos and stuff like that as a kid. So, like, build the idea of building something, I always liked the like mechanics of it. And, Almost like an, it's almost like an artwork to me. I, I now when I put ARs together, I'm putting you know guns together for customers. It, it, it's almost I think of it as artistic as possible. So I found SDI and I'm like, all right. My big thing was money. How is how am I going to pay for this? And then luckily SDI they're a, they're accredited college, so you're actually able to use financial aid. So it was a big pull for me. So um I was like. I had to be like 24, 25. And I'm like, you know, I'm not doing anything. Like, I don't want to be a painter. I don't want to take over my dad's company. Uh, my dad actually, uh, at this point, he just got diagnosed with bladder cancer at this point in my t life. So he beat it. Well, he had some health issues. He just got over his sepsis where he almost died in a winter. And then that next, I started college that following year. And I'm like, all right, so my dad's going to be retiring. I don't want to take over his business. And, you know, he's doing great down in Florida now. So he's not, he, he beat the cancer and all that stuff. So I graduated college. I went through the whole thing. I said, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right. I'm going to get an actual degree so I can at least say, hey, I have a degree. It's a $10,000 piece of paper, but I have that. Degree. And, uh, so, you know, being in Massachusetts, it's tough finding a job in the gun industry. I can't, I wasn't, I didn't know if I was going to open my own shop or I was going to go on my own and just kind of do stuff here and there for FFLs around the area. So, but I, I had a great education. We learned a ton. I learned so much stuff like design, function, repair. It's big. That's what they're really big on. I learned how to, you know, great courses on like nickel plating guns and like, you know, you know, uh, take bluing and hot bluing and parkerizing, refinishing stuff, and then knowing how like certain gas systems work and going through history from say like direct gas and it it fascinated me. So, you know, as a gunsmith, I actually don't use half the stuff I learned because it's for the most part now your parts, your parts swapping. There's a rare occasion I have to like if it's 1911 work, which I was really fortunate enough to where I got it my advantage. Armors, advanced armor certificate from SDI in 1911 making. That is gunsmithing. You are hand fitting. You are using calipers. You're, you're finding, you know, friction areas to remove material. Like that is building a gun next to forging the receiver. AR stuff. You're you. There's thousands of videos. Right? You can you could pro. I could. I think I timed it. We had a couple days ago at work. I put an AR together in 25 months. Yeah, they're they're, they're not, not hard. And that's, that's they're not hard. No. Yeah, that's and I, I've been in a couple of conversations about that, um, where you know, putting a, putting an AR together is that's exactly what it is. It's it's a kit gun, right? And and if you think about the design of it, it's designed for a twenty year old who knows absolutely nothing 
in the military to design you know, to to take care of an M16. You know, the AR-15 is obviously the civilian version of it. Um, but at 1911, um, you know, that's what we talk about putting guns together versus building guns. Um, a 1911 is definitely a gun build because you learn really quick about tolerances yep. with a 1911. Oh, yeah. um, and that's that's a, kind of the greatest thing about building a 1911 is not only do you learn, but you you understand. At the end of that build, you understand. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, we talk about, you know, in the 80% world, you have the polymer 80s. Okay, that is not building a gun. <laughs> No, it's, it's you're not, filing it's, down plastic and then assembling parts. And assembling parts, yeah. And you, even if you're doing a eighty percent nineteen eleven, you're still doing building. I mean, you're putting those. You're you're actually milling out the rails. Yeah. And you're doing your measurements to make sure that your rails are right. And um, and that's great. I, I love the way that you put that because yeah, nineteen eleven, and you, you got to know what you're doing because you will get frustrated really quick with a 1911 yeah my first official one i had to do a customer bought a frame and it was a uh, officer's so it's the, the the tiniest one pretty much the most finicky yeah the the one that yeah jamomatics <laughs> oh it, it's i ended up having to go to a outside gunsmith that specialized in 1911 this is one of the 1911 makers in the country and he like the only thing with gunsmithing school that was tough for me I'm a visual learner, so videos help a lot with me. So if I can see it, you don't have firsthand. You don't. You're not in a classroom. Right. That's the yep. only thing I tell people is if you are good with online learning, awesome. It'd be great for you. Just remember, hands-on experience is the best experience. So, like me, like I, I've been. I, I can take a gun apart. I can understand the function, design of it, and you know. You learn a lot of troubleshooting in college, which is I, I was thankful enough to really understand troubleshooting guns. And I'm pretty good at, OK, if I shoot like the only things I can't I don't mess with is checkering woodworking because I I don't have the patience and attention span for woodworking. Yeah. I don't it, it I don't care. I don't I don't want to I don't handle it. And um, a lot of shotgun work. I just I'm not a shotgun guy. So troubleshooting and dealing with gasms and uh, I, I don't. It's just not something I do. So you learn that in college. You learn the idea of it. You still get an understanding of what to do if you really want to take time and like learn it. But it's a small craft that you got to learn. So it, you know, there's just things you're going to learn that you're not comfortable with. That for the while, it took me a while to learn how to sight a scope in because like I didn't really have any experience. I just I've been only shooting iron sights, you know. So yeah. I was fortunate enough when I got the job. So to backtrack a bit, I graduated and. I didn't get a job in the firearms industry for about a year and a half. And a lot of other things went on where, you know, I started the channel and all that stuff, which we'll get into. But um, I, my dad was like, all right, I just beat lung, you know, a thought, which we thought was lung cancer, but the tumor ended up being benign. So it wasn't cancerous. And, and it was like, all right. <laughs> I'm done. I, I'm, I'm retiring and I'm moving to Florida. So I was out of a job <laughs> and, uh, you know, I worked with him up until he almost got finished. And I was like, all right, so I see the writing on the wall. I tried getting in. I got offered it. I, I applied at Ruger. I applied at, um, SIG cause they're in New Hampshire. And at this time I'm married now. So yeah, it's, not just oh I gotta go and I have a I have another person that I I look you know is in my life like we're a partnership I'm not gonna be like all right we're leaving it's like no what do you want to let's yeah. figure this out um so I went to the interview at SIG and it was a temp job and I was like I'm not uprooting my yeah. life to move to Exeter for a <laughs> for a temp yeah. job and uh, so I was like I gotta find a job so I decided oh car sales would be the most ideal job from painting to car sales with a degree in firearms technology <laughs> like yeah it, you know and it, it, it was tough on me because i spent all this money to go to gunsmithing school i can't get a job anywhere in where i live in mass because it's you know with the laws it's so tough it's i always equated getting into the firearms industry especially in massachusetts 
like getting into the pro wrestling industry back in the 80s where <laughs> there was all these territories and yeah. they were trying to protect the business so you had to know somebody you had to go through all these rigorous classes and know people to get you maybe a spot that's how it was for me and it, it, it's and people laugh but like that's literally how it was and yeah, obviously and obviously dealing with you know you know anxiety depression and stuff like that i kind of it, it was tough but i was still you know thank god i had this channel if i if i didn't do this it i wouldn't have got through just say entity and check a lot of stuff happened i did a couple of jobs i hated car sales and then you know COVID happened and that kind of yeah. screwed everything up. Yeah, it screwed up. It screwed a lot of things up. Yeah. yeah it's funny because I remember talking to you off air on other podcasts. Um, and I remember you going for the interview for this job to be a gunsmith. And um, I remember some of the people you had talked to to put in a word for you. And yet you really. Oh, oh yeah. I call, I lied up a storm. I, oh, I, I dropped so many names. Like you wouldn't believe I, and I'm on the way to the interview calling like big shout out to my good friend, Charlie cook at riding shotgun with Charlie. I love that man. He's a good friend of mine, local of Massachusetts. I called him on my way down to where my shop I work at. And I'm like, I'm going in for an interview. Can I drop your name? And he was like, I'll take care of it. Cause he, you know, he does uh Utah carry classes there so i'm dropping his name i lied about two other people that i knew that i've never met in my life but i just knew that they train there or they just know the people there i'm dropping names left and right and i'm like oh hopefully they don't call my bluff oh god don't call my bluff <laughs> <laughs> yeah but they you know my job I, now is it, it's a, i work at a shop in massachusetts i'm uh, the head gunsmith there i run the department but the guy that was working there i was working under someone at one point but they I was blessed to where they took it. They were going to take a chance with me. They knew I was fresh out of college and I hated doing what I was doing before. And I was like, I want to work in the industry. And then I think they looked at my YouTube channel and that was also doing like, okay, he understands how to do this stuff. He's not just some schmuck that says, Oh, I, I played call of duty. I know, I know guns. Like, no, like I actually like, I, I have the degree. Yeah. Like we all fluffed yeah. our resumes and I was, I fluffed it a little bit, but there was some truth to it. <laughs> but, but if you think about it, I mean, let's face it. That's what our, our resumes are, are, are fluff anyway. Right. Cause we got to sell ourselves. I mean, that's our sales pitches, our ref resumes, but yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing with having a channel. You took that knowledge to the next level, right? Yep. Um, and that's you may not have, I'm, I'm yeah, so you sorry. May, no, that's fine. I mean, you may not have been in the industry, but you were working your butt off to get there. I mean, I mean, it's 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 a lot different when someone just comes walking in. Hey, I like guns. I want to be a gunsmith. Versus, hey, I like guns. I want to be a gunsmith. Here's my degree, and oh, by the way, here's my YouTube channel. Oh, it doesn't yeah. hurt that I know Charlie Cook too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I dropped a, again. There's there's other people that I knew that I didn't actually know, but. I I just their names because I you know I'm gonna do some investigative reporting. Like, all right, what's this place about? And I'm like, oh, this person trains there. All right, I'll drop that guy's name. You know, and you know, I mean, hey, we we all got to do it. But I I was lucky enough. You know, I do. I don't think they really looked. They might have looked at my channel. Like they didn't really knew I did YouTube for a good like couple months, and then uh, I was just talking and I I saw Charlie at uh, he was uh, he was teaching one night. And I went in and I. Uh, I upgraded his class and I was giving him a hard time. He's messing with him. He's a wicked cool dude. And I think they kind of smartened him up. So, uh, or this, he smartened them up. And, you know, they, yeah. I've had a lot of opportunity there. It's awesome working at a gun shop. And uh, it, I, I don't wake up every morning hating my life. I don't have as much, as much anxiety as I used to. Still struggle so with not, it. You're not up at two o'clock in the morning like I am. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. I, well, sometimes I do with stress because I I yeah. care so much about my job. Like I want to make that place better than it was before I got there. That's how I always looked at it when I got the job. I wanted to make that shop. I, I want to make this shop better than it is. 
whether well, it's me, me doing certain stuff, you know. What's what's the thing you like most about your job? I like waking up knowing that I'm going into that shop depending on what my day is going to look like. Like, oh, do I got to do compliance work on rifles? Um, I have Do I have an AR build? Am I going to be troubleshooting like, oh, you know, my a customer is saying, hey, I'm having some issues cycling. And most of the time it's a bodyguard 380. And they're like, oh, it's having, you know, cycling issues. I can't do this. And I'm like, that, that, that. and it's like, I think of it as a puzzle. So I'm, I'm, I'm puzzling stuff to it's Oh, you're limp resting here. Or I'm building a super sick precision rifle build with, you know, stocks. And, you know, I, we have a very well um, stocked store of accessories and gun stuff like that. So like I can just pick and pull and, I get to work and those are the things, those are the jobs I really like is working with customers saying, all right, you can do this, add this, we can install this. Uh, Apex triggers, I can do very quickly now. I have had the time and opportunity to actually learn how to like work a mill and a TIG welder. And it, it, there's so much stuff hands-on and I'm, I can, if I get bored with something or I'm getting frustrated with something, put it down. I moved to something else that I can take care of very quickly and okay, call the customer. Boom, boom, done. And it, it's, it's always something new. I've had the opportunity to work on some really cool guns and shoot some really cool guns because we have a, a range at our facility. So I'm able to actually test fire guns. Like I've never shot a Browning high power before. And a guy brought it in for cleaning. Cause he's like, I had this thing for years. I've never, you know, my dad gave it to me. Can you just clean it and make sure it works? So I'm like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. And I was like, can I shoot that? I'm like, I'll have to shoot it. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point of clean and test fire. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, I don't want to break it. I'm like, oh, cool. And I'm like, dude, what do I do with ammo? They're like, dude, go get ammo, charge the customer. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm like, this is and you saw me in the range, and I just had like the biggest smile. And I, you know, I got to shoot that stuff. I've I've had to, the opportunity to shoot like a lot of cool guns. So it, it it's fun. So, so what's the thing you like least about being gunsmith? Two things. Uh, <laughs> when I can, it's more of a personal thing. I stress out a lot because I care about my work. I often think, did I actually do this on a gun? And like, did I do everything right? And I second guess myself. You know, it's a confidence issue. Second guessing is it, it, it is what keep me keeps me up at night. I'm always wondering, like, what if I didn't do that? Did the customer is the, the customer finds out and he comes back and starts screaming at me and I have altercation? That's the stuff that goes through my head is second guessing because I care so much about my job and you know I, I love what I do. I, I tend to second guess myself a lot. And then part actually three things. Uh, if I don't if I can't fix a gun, it freaks me out. Like I, I why can't yeah. I fix it? Like, you know, there's stuff that I have in my shop right now that's been sitting there for a while where I can't get parts. I just can't fix it. And it, I don't know why. And it, it will sit there and I have to deal with customers calling, hey, why is it not fixed? And I'm like, oh, we'll work on it. It's, I just I can't fix it. You know, when I, I there was one time we had a, a Beretta 21A, the 25 ACP Bobcat. Yeah. I damn near had every spring, every pin, every extractor part, like you know, anything that worked with cycling, grips, magazine, next to a next to a frame, barrel, and slide replaced, and it still would not cycle. I took a I took a I took a stone to it where I was stoning the rails to kind of get any burrs. I was I was doing everything and I get to run. And it, it I called the guy, I'm like, labor alone. We just into it for what you pay for the gun because it's just we literally replaced all the parts. Twenty those little like, pocket pistols are what give me a lot of trouble. Like the the Colt, yeah, we have a Colt Mustang uh plus yeah. two. Uh that thing again replaced everything you could possibly think of and it still is not cycling. Like do I really need yeah. to hone the inside of the chamber on a 380? Like yeah. it, it's is it really gonna do that much? And I'm just pocket pistols, they're cool guns. I like them, but they saw if they have issues it's like my kryptonite or if it's like shotgun work that I just don't know. And, you know, yeah. and obviously I have an issue with when I'm gunsmithing and someone questions me because of my age, I deal with that a lot just with the demographic of what I deal with. Cause 
you're going to get that certain flutterific demographic that is going to look, you know, question your knowledge. And then they tend to be kind of finicky as customers. And I don't, I, my mentality, I don't have time for that. I, I, I have more stuff going on. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. I'm not going to let you just give, you know, throw jabs at me because, you know, I don't have time. I, I, I rather do my best I can. If you don't like the answer, then, you know, figure it out. And that that's what deters me from gunsmithing is I just I care so much. And then, when you you know, you get that one customer. It just sets me off and I just feel with inner rage. <laughs> so uh, but for the I it, those are they don't happen as much. But when they do happen, it's, it does deter me. But other than that, I, I thoroughly love it. Um, I love guns, but I like I like doing this stuff more. Like This is, you know. I have one-on-one -on -one conversations that it's I'm giving, I, I make a certain video and I try and it's to try and help and we can get good conversations. Obviously you're going to get trolls out there. And stuff like that, but yeah. That it, always happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it happens. I've got, I've got my share of those too. Yeah. So um, I love that. Yeah. I love the ones it's like, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, they're they're gonna prove that they know more than you. And you just sit there and look at it. And my response is okay. It, you know, it's it's usually something like if that's what you think, but I've literally seen this happen <laughs> and yeah. I've had to fix it. So whatever, be you know, go go on with yourself. I'm glad you made yourself feel feel good about it, but it's just like Disengagement yeah, helps never, me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's funny because I got I mean, I was in a bad mood. And I get into a into a pissing match with someone on a comment. And they're all pissed off. And I'm like, look, literally, I've seen this happen. Um, I've had a customer that did this. And they're like, but customer, what do you mean, customer? Yeah, I was in FFL for 10 years. Yes. Yeah, I was like, you work for a gun shop? And I go, no, I was the FFL holder. It was my shop. It was my work. It was my, you know, everything, my customer. Um, and he's like, oh, yeah. And he, he goes on this rant, and I just kept on going. I, I just kept feeding him because I knew that the more he do a comment, and then it's great because they get pissed off, and they really start screwing their comments up. And uh and then I'm just sitting there going, and then finally I let him off the hook, like after about 10 replies ago. If you really didn't like this video, why did you not thumb it down? Because the video had no thumbs down. I go, why didn't you thumb it down? I, go, I would have thought if you didn't like it, you'd thumb it down. I go, oh, but before you do that, let me explain to you how this, how YouTube works. And you start <laughs> explaining the algorithm and, you know, thumbing it down actually helps me. And then uh, because I got 10 comments out of you, it actually helped me. I started explaining it. He just went away. <laughs> yeah, of course. That's how it always works. Like, but yeah, th thanks for helping me. If you hate, you hated this video so much that you helped me more than anybody else who watched this video once. Um, but yeah, I'll, t I'll tell you the one thing that you do that drives me nuts. And I know it's not you. It's Massachusetts. It kills me when I watch you do compliance work. Absolutely kills me. Um, and for those of you that are watching or listening, uh, Joe, tell them what compliance work is in, in Massachusetts. Well, <laughs> uh, so I don't, you know, let's get this out of the way. I don't agree with it. I think it's unconstitutional, but it's how I make a living, unfortunately. And it's, we, if my shop wants to keep their doors open, I have to do this. So compliance work is pretty much, we have to make a firearm mass line you're going to deal with this in long especially in california you're going to deal with it in a lot of states that have you know assault weapons bans like new york's uh new york new jersey connecticut any place like that so when i say compliance work is say you have an ar-15 or you have a semi-automatic firearm that takes a detachable magazine pistol grip what they consider an assault weapon i don't think there's anything such as an assault weapon but according to state law and how we have our ffl we have to do that so in Massachusetts, there's, a, there's two types of assault weapons bans that's technically current, that's currently in. And we have compliance rosters as well. So for a gun to be compliant, it has to have a list of qualities. So for instance, say a SIG Virtus, 
Sig MCX Virtus, very popular rifle, or like a CZ Bren 2. CZ Bren 2s come with a threaded barrel. They come with a flash hider, a pistol grip, detachable magazine, a collapsible and side folding stock. So, in order for a gun to be Massachusetts compliant, you're able only able to have one feature, what they consider an evil feature. So, if it's a semi-automatic that has a detachable magazine and a pistol grip, you cannot have a because you know if you don't because you can have a ten round mag, but you can have pre band mag. So they don't really count the mag at the Tesla magazine as a evil feature. So you cannot have a threaded barrel that has a flash hider. You cannot have an adjustable stock. You cannot have a side folding stock. So if you have a pistol grip and a Tesla magazine, if you pin and weld a muzzle brake, take the A2 flash hider off and pin and weld the muzzle brake. Then you have to pin the stock and make it so it's a fixed stock. So that allows you to have a semi-automatic firearm that has a pistol grip and an attachable magazine. Um, another thing is with magazine capacity. So in order for us to sell certain firearms, especially in today's market, not everyone makes a Massachusetts-compliant magazine. So on my TikTok accounts, uh, if you go listen to this and you're on TikTok, check me out in gallery any. Uh, I do post some funny stuff over there. Um, I've had people lose their ever-loving mind when I take a SIG M18 mag that's 24 rounds <laughs> and I have to block it to 10 rounds, drill a hole through the bottom of it, and then rivet the damn thing so it only accepts 10 rounds and you can't take the block out. People lose their ever-loving minds. You get those boogaloo boys and you know, you're a sheep. It, it's, it, the comments are funny as hell, but what they don't realize, again, with engagement, when there's over 200,000 views, 250,000 views, that's good engagement. <laughs> so, but, yeah. Yeah. but I, I post the reason I post that content is to some way, if you're in that state that doesn't have to deal with that, it shows you what to expect. If you're in, it shows you to get active to make sure that stuff doesn't happen. I don't like posting that stuff, but at the same time, if that gets someone who's barely, you know, not on the, it's kind of on the fence with guns and see what we have to do just to enjoy our freedoms. Maybe that's going to inspire them to be a little bit more active locally on a local level. So that doesn't happen. Um, plus, I just like to kind of see people lose their minds. Yeah. Yeah, like slow day at, sl yeah, yeah, slow day at work. <laughs> Let's, uh, you know, take an HK mag that's like, you know, $45 a mag and, you know, <laughs> kick back on my desk, sit my coffee, and I'm just, oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what you said that's what i mean what drives me nuts um is that you know i live in a state that we don't have that and it just drives me nuts because i mean short of the magazine problem right you talked about pin and welding the uh the flash suppressor you uh you pin the stock other than changing other than being able to change the position of the stock you've done nothing to change that rifle Exactly. I mean, it's it still functions the exact same way. Yeah, and there's ways to actually get rid of that. Um, if you are so mechanically inclined, look where those things are. And I'm not going to say it just because I don't want to no, make it's... my life easier. But there's ways to get around it. And there's ways to also not have that. And I people ask me, how do I undo this? And I'm like, legally, I can't tell you. But it's not that not that hard. <laughs> just, oh, I know. Just I, I'm Look at <laughs> I have an old I have an old AK from um, from the Clinton era that um, well they pin and welded the flash uh, the well it was a brake it wasn't even a flash suppressor it was a brake it was a slanted yeah. brake oh yeah, yeah and yeah. it's just and you sit there and just look at it go huh if I had a certain tool with a disc that spun really fast just yeah zzz. okay I get. I, I get it now, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I get it. And that's, that's, those are the things that drive me nuts. It's not that the fact that you do them. It's the fact that you live in a state that forces that to happen when it does absolutely nothing to change. Yeah. And that's the tough part. Education is the key. And that's the big thing with my channel is just, you know, that's why I do a lot of stuff with the channel on like how to tutorials and um, you know, it, it's, I want to get education out there so people that live in states they, they know like hey like if i live in say you know especially in massachusetts say i have a fixed mag ar 
I can still have an AR-15. I, you know, I there's a way to do this where, oh, I can make a rifle look like that and it still be a fixed mag. So I could buy a fixed mag receiver, then the end user or the subscriber hopefully learns how to, you know, you know, if they follow yeah. the right links and all that stuff, they learn how to build it themselves. They have enjoyment of doing that, but also they know they can actually have that accessory. They know how to do that, and it gives them knowledge. You know, I might. Yeah. Some people might have different ways of doing certain things, but if my videos can help someone learn how to do it, like that, that's the best part. You know, and it's more yeah. of like, you know, I'm, hey, I dealt with it, so. If I dealt with it, someone else has probably had to deal with this. Especially yeah, we built totally. two, we've we've built two fixed mag rifles on the channel. Um, one through a local manufacturer that made a, their own uh, fixed mag receiver, and then one through Dark Storm Industries that we that we're my store is a dealer there, so I was able to pick up a DS15 fixed mag and learning how to do that. You still you get to build, you get to assemble these guns and try different parts out and it shows and it's also say especially like my 20 inch i'm just going to be doing another you know a lot more videos with that because there's stuff i want to change because it was my first ar i built so there there's stuff that can be changed <laughs> yeah uh yeah, yeah there, there's stuff and the good thing is if you build a fixed mag rifle in massachusetts you can have an adjustable stock you can have uh pistol grip and all that stuff so you can have a non-threaded barrel because it's not like it has the ability to accept a 30 round and a capacity magazine. It's a fixed receiver. Yeah. But tell me how that works. I don't know. <laughs> I, well, and that's what, you know, I, I have a buddy of mine that lives out here in Montana. Um, he came in from Northern California and, you know, Montana here, Montanans really hate Californians mm -hmm. like with a passion, like to the point where they see a California tag, they will try to run them off the road. Um, and, uh, so yeah, we used to joke around with him going, Hey, you might want to get the California tags off your truck really fast. And, um, but at least he was from Northern California. He was from, uh, from kind of the freer area. Uh, yeah. And he used to work for a sheriff's department out there that, that was one of the sheriff's department that actually gave out concealed carry permits in California. And even the cops used to joke around about the 10 round capacity. And their joke was, is because everyone knows that the 11th round blows the car up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, capacity is nothing, you know? So you watch, if you ever watch a video and, and that video is shot in California, it's always the 11th round that blows the car up, you know, in the, in the movies. <laughs> so, so that's why, that's why it's 10 rounds. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, it's stupid. It, it's it, the cops even know it. Um, but you know, that's why you get involved. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about you know your channel. Um, you know, why did you decide to also add on? You know, or well, I guess also add. You added gunsmithing onto your YouTube. But why did you start YouTube? Why did you start doing videos? So I started doing videos because I was like, you know. I really got into it. I wanted, you know, I had a lot of knowledge at this point. You know, I've done a couple of things here and I wanted to just get my name out there. Cause again, I took it as I was using it as a digital platform, as almost like a digital resume. So if I ever wanted to get a company to look at me instead of just looking at a piece of paper and say, Hey, you can look at my YouTube channel. I, this is what I do. Started off doing like how to tutorials, uh, a podcast, and, you know, we run the Shooting Woods podcast every Sunday and Monday. Sometimes Sundays we have to stop. But uh, we, you know, then I was gunward. So I wanted to pretty much tell certain manufacturers or companies that I could potentially get a, uh, a career at. I'm not just some schmuck off the street. I know what I'm doing. Or at least it looks like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I started doing that. I started with a, a friend of mine that lives a little bit down the street from me where he had a range. We started doing just like videos on a cell phone and a gimbal. It was horrible audio, just, it, you know, the typical first couple of videos. So then we did the podcast and it was the first couple of podcasts. We 
you know, we did it on Google Hangouts, the, you know, the old way we could do it on YouTube. And I really started getting into it. Like I had, it was a, it just became like, this is fun. I get to actually like talk about my passion. So I started the podcast because my wife, um, I love her to death and she's a big supporter of me. If I didn't have her support, I'd implode. So I started the podcast because I would just talk and talk and talk about guns. My wife, really that into guns like I am. <laughs> so she's like, why don't you channel all this energy you got going on into something that like you can like take like an hour of time and talk to somebody like get some friends that are really into guns because a lot of my friends they were into it but they weren't again. They call me the gun nuts and I'm not and I kind of get offended by that because I'm not a nut I just it's my passion I'm very passionate about yeah. what you know I like to do. And so I started the podcast and we did a couple episodes and then I'm like, all right. Let's take this seriously. Could I potentially make this a career? Could I pretend, you know, people, I, and I'm not like, I, I wasn't going into it thinking like, oh, I'm going to get free stuff and like all this stuff. Like, no, I already knew that's not how it goes. I was smartened up to it. So I started the podcast and I started reaching out to other creators. And uh, I looked at it as how do I make, a, how can I make a decent living? I'm not looking to make a million dollars. I don't, I'm, I'm not i, I kind of hate the concept of money to begin with because people get a certain level and they think they're better than people it's not yeah. me i want to make enough to where i can afford my bills have a little bit of money stashed away and i can not have to worry <laughs> i want to be able to not worry about making a car payment that's that's how i always live my life and i see people living the dream like the, i i know certain channels struggle i know it went through to get there so i really took the podcast as the first opportunity and i was lucky enough to i reached out to brandon herrera of the ak guy i was maybe at like 75 subscribers not even 100 and hit me back up i just sent him a dm on instagram and he's like yeah dude i'd love to do it and i was like what cool what what <laughs> what cool i texted my buddy i'm like dude we just landed eight the ak guy he's like no way i'm like yeah dude so i'm like all right and it was a bunch of f-bombs and <laughs> name it but it was really i was like wow i was so and he was so supportive i actually haven't talked to him since um and then i'm like all right i'll start trying to schedule a lot more guests god then i end up getting john patton from the gun collective and i really looked up to john because you know he's kind of a bigger guy like me i liked his content and he, I, I kind of, you know, I enjoyed what he made and he was like, yeah, I'll come on. No problem. And I'm like, really? Like, and again, he was like an idol of mine. Cause like, it's just a lot of things. So, and I it's always, I have a loyalty to him because he was very, you know, even before I did my channel, he called me one day because like my wife wanted to surprise me. I was going through a really rough time in my life and he knew, she knew, you know, I love, you know, I watched him like sports, you know, that's what I watched. YouTube is like my sports. And I have a whole, a very loyalty to him because he always would help me out over here and there, give me some advice. So I just, I started getting a lot of people and it just blossomed into now I got a, you know, I'm a brand ambassador for a holster company. Companies actually like want to work with me and I enjoy working with companies and creating content. So I have this gunsmithing life over here. Then I come home and I have my second career of <laughs> content creator it's your it's you, fun you have your paying job over here and, and then what i pay job over here. <laughs> yeah. and that's the thing how i always and right now you know i've reached a very good milestone i've reached a thousands over a thousand subs i'm at like just under 1200 right now i'm monetizing on youtube where i'm making money at it um a lot more i'm getting a lot more projects sent to me where i'm working with companies i've had the opportunity to go to iraq veteran range day which was a huge thing for me like that was so she got to meet a lot of creators and you know it was very beneficial for me so now I'm, my whole mentality is how do i monetize more how do i create an income that supports the channel supports me and my wife i'm able to do things that's my plan um i love nothing more than waking up i like i did i woke up at like seven o'clock this morning i worked till two o'clock in the morning last night working the bar and woke up at like 7 30 8 o'clock and got my coffee and i just started 
going to work. It's like nonstop. Yeah. I don't have someone looking over me. I don't have other things. So it, it that's, and that's it, it blossomed. And that's that's things that people don't understand about content creators. The you know, you might watch a seven minute video, but you have no idea that that video was created at some ungodly hour of the morning <laughs> or how much time was put into that. I mean, you you look at you know, one of my videos, it's um, I actually was editing this morning. I might have an hour of filming, and then I might have another couple of hours of editing before it's down to the point of ready to go. And that's mm -hmm. on a and that's on a simple video. That's yeah. on a product video. You get into one of my, one of my gunsmithing videos. It's, I mean, you're talking about days of work. Yeah, if I do like a gunsmithing video, it say it takes me about a half hour to film because you know when I go into that, it's I don't go slow to where it's not to you know you lose interest, but. I go fast enough to where it's like, okay, he does this and you can pause it and stuff like that. So they'll take me about a half hour, half hour of filming. Then give it another three to four for editing the video. Another probably hour of just like getting descriptions and getting links for tracking to show like, okay, it's worth that company sending you that product. Uh, and then it's, then another two hours of promoting it. So you put it on all your social media. You post it on 15 different platforms because at all platforms, we can push a button and it uploads to everything. So, you know, you have to take time, upload time, and there's render time. So a typical gunsmithing video is about six, seven hours for me to do. Yeah, it's because, uh, like, you know, I start my first video was gunsmithing video. I mean, that's originally yeah. how I started the channel. Um, and, you know, I learned a lot after that video. I'm still learning. You know, this is now I just crossed over four years having the channel. Uh, I'm still learning. I'm still tweaking things. I'm learning, you know, I've, I'm learning how to speed up videos. You know, I'd like to go really slow and, and stuff like that. But quite frankly, it's, I mean, gunsmithing videos are not the most exciting thing in the world. So you have to learn where you cut, you know, where you cut time down and just go, someone's just going to have to hit the pause button. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, I'd like to give you a little extra time on this one still that, you know, one picture that I took, but man, you're just going to have to, I, I, it's going to be up there for three seconds. You're going to have to hit the pause button. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go, exactly. go, go at it. Everyone has so, an attention span, especially with TikTok and YouTube shorts now of 60 seconds. Yep. I'm not even sure it's of the full 60 seconds. Yeah. Um, you know, I did a short, I did a YouTube short this week of um, a gun shoot that I was at that is a, quite a unique gun uh, gun shoot. I think that video was 45 seconds. My retention time is about 40%. And, and we're talking about guys that are in the back of a rock crawler shooting at targets. <laughs> and, and so people are hitting about 26, 27 seconds and bailing on the video. Yep. So it's. And there's a lot of action. So yeah, I, I, attention times, our attention spans are very short. Um, so we've been going at it almost an hour here and I'm gonna do something with you that is new. All right. No one has done this before. I'm gonna do a speed round with you. All righty. So I'm gonna give you a choice and you gotta give me the answer to that choice. Okay. First thing that pops in your head. Okay. The first one is going to kind of go towards your content creator. Cell phone camera or regular camera? Regular camera. Lumix G7. Best camera for you. Pistol or rifle? Rifle. 9mm or 45 ACP? 9mm. 223 or 308? I'd go 223. Revolver or semi-automatic? Semi-auto. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew that answer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we just talked about that like a week ago. Yeah. Bolt action or lever? I'd go lever. Lever action is a lot more fun. Okay. And what is your favorite gun manufacturer? Ooh, ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, 
Oh, damn. Gun manufacturer. I'd have to go with Ruger. Okay. So, Joe, thanks for joining me here. No problem. Let's give you some time here to, to kind of let people know how they can get in touch with you. I mean, I'm going to have the links to all your social media and your YouTube channel down in the description. But uh, but let people know where they can reach you. All right. So, well, appreciate you having me on, man. But you, you if anyone wants to follow me, you can check me out. YouTube.com forward slash shooting gallery. Any. Uh, we do the podcast every Sunday and Monday. Then we have I'm trying to get as much content as I can. Use back to the Wednesday, Friday schedule. But, you know, we're getting a lot more. We have a lot more projects in the works now. So we're going to have a lot more content out there. You can also follow me on Instagram at Shooting Gallery New England. All one word, all lowercase. I'm on Facebook. We're on Patreon. Uh, we're on Rumble, Utreon, um, Gunstreamer, most of the gun posting sites. Uh, but also, if you're actually on TikTok, check me out over there. Uh, we're at like 11.3 uh, thousand followers over there. So, you know, we do, you know, quick, obviously TikTok app is, it is what it is, but we, I, I'm literally everywhere you could possibly think of. Um, it's, it, it's, I got to spread it out everywhere, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm more active on Instagram and TikTok than anything else. I don't know how you have time to upload to all those platforms. I mean, well, I gave some, up on, I'm on some of those. I'm on some of them, but man. Yeah, I, I gave up on a lot. Full 30, I officially just was like, I'm all set. Like, I, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, uh, any any special projects you got coming up? Yes. Yes, I have two. I have a JSD supply. I'm going to be doing the MUP 1-8% frame. Uh, with awesome their, build. Uh, I cannot wait. Uh, Jordan over there is taking a chance with me, and I'm doing uh the p320 80 frame and we got a patmos slide so we're gonna be doing yeah, some red I'm, dots. I'm jealous i'm jealous of that slide i know i gotta figure out what it's I'm cut for slide. i think it's cut for the rmr footprint so I'll be able to get I, I think he cuts all of them for the rmr yeah so i can get that holler sun um because i'm not but uh i got that we're gonna be uh, actually looking at an upgrade series on the taurus g3c toro taurus g3 platform there's actually a lot of upgradable parts for that um i, I really am taking a liking to that and uh obviously we get the podcast we're gonna get you know a lot of people we're getting a lot more content creators on a lot more companies on uh tomorrow as of the filming of this one we're actually having gun doctor tv on again and then i'm trying to get to edu and stuff like that but so if you guys are in the Pennsylvania area uh, on December 18th, we're going to be at the Oaks, Pennsylvania gun show. We're going to be doing a meet and greet there with my Black Swan media family. Uh, John Crom, Flying Rich, DLDF Dark, Tony, Mother F and Simon of <laughs> Seconds for Everybody Diversity Shoot. Um, a bunch of other content creators. We're going to be hanging out with JSD Supply and stuff like that. So if definitely come by, saying hi, say hi, and maybe I'll give you a patch if you're cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, Joe, man, thanks for jumping on, man. You know, we've known each other, oh gosh, about a year and a half now. Yeah. And you know, I've been on your show a couple of times, and I really appreciate you taking some time out. You know, we're recording this on a Sunday. I appreciate you taking some time away from your family to jump on with me. Well, dude, thank you for having me. And you know, I'm gonna take pride knowing I'm the first content creator on this podcast. So I'm the first. <laughs> you are you are definitely the first, and I, I'm glad I'm glad it was you. I appreciate it, dude. Thank you for having me. Every time I get together with Joe, it's like sitting together with a buddy at a bar and just drinking a beer. He's just such an easy guy to talk to and get along with. Make sure you go check out his channel on YouTube. Now it's Shooting Gallery New England, but it's actually Shooting Gallery NE. The NE stands for New England. I'll have a link down in the description to his YouTube channel and also his other social media because he's very active on TikTok and Instagram as well. Now I like to share information about gear that I own and this month I'm going to talk to you about the MGW Sight Pro. Now this thing weighs a ton but I haven't found a pistol that I couldn't push sights with, with this unit. Now, it is a little more expensive. When I was in FFL, I started off with 
one of these. Now I know that those of you on the audio side can't see what I'm holding, but this is one of the cheap sight pushers. It looks like it was a piece of square stock that they built a sight pusher into. Now with that cheap sight pusher, I ended up marking up a slide that I coated. It takes a lot of time for prep and actually to do the painting and baking. And that's a lot of time and a lot of money in time that I had lost on a job. A buddy of mine had borrowed that sight pusher before and he marked up a slide of his. So after I marked up that slide for my customer that I coated, I went out and bought this MGW Sight Pro. The real reason why I decided on this one was because at the time, this was the only sight pusher that could push Springfield XD sights. Now, XD sights are super tight and this thing could do it. Everybody loved this because of that. Is the MGW Sight Pro for the casual user? No, there's probably some better things that are a little more affordable. But if you're really serious about doing sights or you're doing gunsmithing, this is the sight pusher you want to do. It's a little expensive, I'll admit it, but it's definitely worth every penny, especially when you mark up your work. I think you're going to love the MGW Sight Pro. I did a video on it. For those of you on the YouTube platform, you'll see a link up above. Everybody else, look in the description and you can get to the video for the MGW Sight Pro. And of course, I bought this from Brownells. If you go to www.trb.fyi slash Brownells, you should be able to find the MGW Site Pro right up from there. Thanks for listening to me. Hope you're staying safe out there and I look forward to talking to you again soon.